Hi everyone, welcome to Metaspace. I'm your host, Rachel Holmes. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Jacob Massey. He is an, an intuitive body worker and describes himself as a natural born mystic. Welcome, Jacob. Thank you, Rachel. It's nice to be here. It's nice to come in. Um, so when I think of a mystic, I think of Rumi, and perhaps many Americans do, as he's so popular in the States. Mm. Why do you refer to yourself as a natural-born mystic, and what does that mean to you? Wonderful question. Um, you know, I feel like sometimes we're born as a mystic, and some of my earliest memories are actually, you know, some people can, I think, think of earliest memories on the playground or um wherever they are and mine is actually of spiritual experiences and I remember my earliest memory I probably can find more but as of today (laughs) I was one and a half years old or two and I was sitting in the garden uh, and I remember looking at the wall my my house wall and in front of the wall was a snake and I remember experiencing myself the snake in the wall as one thing And I remember, and I only knew this later on, you know, I only could reflect and go, I remember that memory so vivid. And that's what um, got to know itself more. It's almost like I had deep experiences a long time ago that are only being unpacked now and being understood now um, from a more conscious reflection. And I remember that the snake and the wall um, carried the same essence to it. Like, as we think what aliveness is, is like, um, from a biological point of view, is like anything that has a, you know, central nervous system is directed, intelligent, um, self-creating, things like that. But what I noticed is that the snake in the wall actually shared something. And it was this aliveness. Uh, From that point of view, um, I learned that the snake, the wall, and everything around me was as alive as ever. Uh, so from that moment on, that's become my natural state of perception and has been till this day now. Um, that's the foundation of what made me, I would call a natural born mystic, because we're not taught that in school. So then my lens of perception always, that was the foundation of my perception. Not, um, it wasn't so linear. It was more of a feeling tone of what creation's made out of from moment to moment. We're not taught that in school. And I still have a hard time um, thinking even a a plant as being equal to themselves or having as much life or energy as themselves, let alone, Mm -hmm. you know, a wall or a concrete floor. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so... Can you talk a little bit more about that that um, that connection that you find with everything, whether it's human beings or or things we we consider inanimate objects, yeah. and um, like what? How do you sense that? Awesome. So that's a great question. So um, I feel that the or I'll speak from my own perception first, and then I'll speak from a universal perception um one of the central questions i had 
very young in my life was, who are we and what is this experience made out of? So from that from that question, we get to look a little more deeply like, okay, there's an experience happening here, but what's the connecting element within the experience? Like, is this experience separate from the other things within the experience or are the things within the experience held within something? What is experience made of, right? Sometimes we ask um, in our normal, you know, human experience and interactions, we go, well, what is this plant made up of? And we're like, oh, well, molecules and, um, you know, certain types of cells that plants are made up of. Or we ask, um, what is what type of wood, wood is this? And we all like maple or oak or cherry. But <laughs> we never ask, or it seems few people ask, what is the oak or the plant situated in? Like, what what is the, how did this plant exist in the space in which it exists in? So for me, that was a doorway to understand that there's some, there's a deeper aliveness. There's a deeper intelligence than just the intelligence we see from a biological point of view or mere materialistic point of view, right? So that deeper mm -hmm. aliveness, um, how do we reach that space? I think it starts with a question for everyone. First, we have to be very interested. <laughs> um, going, I am very curious about what else exists beyond um, the things I see. Um, from that point of view, my heart led the way I like to say that another perception that we all have came online and understood that there's an aliveness to the space between things that the things that we see are not the only aliveness that exists. Mm, yeah. And I would say that people also maybe have to let go of what they've been taught. Cause as you said, we're not taught this in school and you know, it's been generations and generations of us not knowing or remembering these things and mm. it's like letting go of what we've been taught that what we've been conditioned to believe mm. to look for something deeper and I think that's a big thing because for a lot of people it's so inconceivable in a way you mm. know or it, to go into their heart and feel the space between things yeah. uh <laughs> Is, is a challenge, you know, to even think, to think that. Yeah. Well, it's not, you know, it's so beautiful. Thanks for saying that. Because if we look at culture, the mystics are always the one who are a little strange, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they're not accepted as easily. And they might just be looking into the air and people are like, that's not productive. What are they doing right now? Um, but they're doing a lot. Um, sometimes we might not see how much a person is actually doing or existing as. But it, our culture is based on materialism. It, it's based on efficiency in creating products. It's a capitalistic society. So we're really based on how efficient can we supply material to each other in the world. That seems to be the case. How efficient, how many resources do we have? So it's very material driven. And as we know, perception um, is conditioned. So we chose to utilize this framework. And so that's what we see. Um, 
if we were to think about looking at the aliveness between things or deeper questions, it would be opposite to what I would like to say the governments and, and society as a whole uh, want to accomplish at this moment in time. So it seems to be, you know, it, uh, also I want to say that goals also um, condition perception. So the goal of society is conditioning the way we see the world. Yes, I, I would agree. Absolutely. And um, what you're saying about, you know, being mystics are <laughs> tend to be on the outside looking up in the air and, and doing their work that our, our society or our conditioning doesn't perhaps um, appreciate or understand. Mm -hmm. And um, do you find yourself feeling alone? And, and me knowing you, I know that you yes. don't in because you feel connected to everything, but mm. alone in the sense of not being able to connect with a lot of people in this way and have these kinds of conversations. Ra Rachel, being a mystic is the loneliest path. <laughs> 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 it's, it's the most, you know, but you know what, you, you know what's fascinating? Um, I would choose this aloneness and connection to um, this deeper sense of life than I would connecting to people and not have the deeper connection to life. Because even though I may feel alone on a human level, um, I'm not alone to everything that exists. And that's a whole nother um, feeling of connection than just going out to the bowling alley with ice cream, which is also a, a fun time. <laughs> but it's not that connection um, uh, can be very different from the connection from the deeper sense of life. Um, so yes, do I feel alone to the culture? Of course, because we were talking about conditioning. When one goes beyond conditioning, um, to fit back in it um, can be more of a, uh, a game rather than you don't believe in it fully now. So it's a different, mm. it's a different way of um, interacting with it. Yes, I was just walking, I was taking a walk through nature yesterday, and I came <clears throat> back to where I'm staying and kind of uh, meditated on the experience. Mm -hmm. And I just felt this deep sense of love come from, you know, all the, the plants I connected with, and the, just like mm -hmm. the flow of love towards me. Mm -hmm. And it made me feel so com comforted. And um, not having that sense of being alone. And I think for a lot of people who are kind of what I like to think of, like on the edge of kind of fully stepping into spirituality or, or being a mystic, if you will, and then, you know, staying with the constructs of society, there mm -hmm. can be this fear or this hesitation. And I find a lot of fear, though, with connecting and what they might find. That's that's very beautiful. I love that. In intimacy, we could say that, right? But when mm. one is when one is comfortable in, in themselves with the universe, I feel like the possibilities for connection become infinite. Yeah. 
and they do (laughs) (laughs) i know you know (laughs) um yeah and it's really beautiful and you know we have this thing where there's more depression i mean if we look at the statistics it seems like the conditioning that we're given isn't really helping too much um from the holistic point of view of the human being people are craving connection um with each other with themselves um with life with purpose and meaning and they're finding it through maybe jobs or money and security and with the statistics along with that there's a lot more depression we have things called pharmaceutical companies um all these things are arrived you know they're responding to the state of consciousness we're in so for me, the mystical perception and, and spiritual depth is being called forth more than ever as a healing, as something we're, we're slightly missing. And for me, it used to become the few odd people in society would be mystics. Now I believe we're all being called forth to see something deeper in what we're doing and how we're living, our attitudes towards life. It's, it's actually um, a nece- necessity now. It's absolute necessity because of what's going on in our culture, in the world. I agree. We all are being called to open up. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's how I I, uh, view it as, you know, being more receptive and open and uh, to information or or other kinds of information. And um, I feel like it's a bit of a, big learning curve (laughs) (laughs) we're in right now because especially with younger people who Mm. um you know people in their teenagers and people in their 20s and um, 30s not wanting to necessarily be a part of the current construct but having a difficult time Mm. finding or creating something else that's outside of that Mm-hmm. and uh, yeah I just find I, I find the same thing you know it's it's a necessity that we all are starting to shift these things shift shift what we've created into something uh, newer and in my mind better although it's probably not the best word to use um <laughs> but <laughs> yeah it's, it's a completely <laughs> different <laughs> Um, but you know, it's, it's a difficult transition. It's a difficult transition. Um, I just want to talk a little bit more about your experiences as a kid, because I know you, you had many kind of levels of spiritual awakening as a lot of people do, but yours, um, were kind of big, I would say, you know, they're not like little blurps and, and opening, but really big openings you had. Yeah. Okay, great. Sure. I mean, um, <clears throat> I think they were so big, I devoted my whole life to it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it's not going to stop. Um, so one and a half, two years old, that was the beginning of just a whole nother perception. Um, then come along uh, seven years old. I remember sleeping with my, you know, my friends who would have sleepovers, being in the same bed. And I would stay up for a good portion of the night when my friend would go to bed. 
And what would happen to me, I'd feel this expansion of consciousness as if like my mind and my heart, or I like to say my being, became as big as the universe and it would expand that way. And then it would get as small as a molecule and it would, it would throb like that. And I kept that to myself, but it would make me go insane almost because my mind wanted to expand as big as all there was. And then my mind wanted to contract as little as um, the littlest thing a person could perceive. And I'm learning that a lot of us actually have this experience as children. Um, I'm finding as I talk to more people about spiritual experiences, that this is a normal a normal occurrence among many people. Um, so that opened up a lot of, I would say, um, what we refer to as Kundalini energies when I was younger. And that kind of set up the dominoes for when I was in my teens. Uh, I was in my teens or at seven. That's when my energy body started unfolding itself. It could have started unfolding itself earlier, um, well, but I consciously noticed it unfolding itself. Um, and it's so beautiful because we can talk a lot about that as well, that that's part of evolution for being embodied is the energy body unfolding itself um, like a flower in, in spring. Um, and so how does that, because you were talking about you feeling your yourself as big as the universe and then as small as a molecule. And when yeah. you talk about that with the energy body, was it as if your energy body it's almost like going through growing pains in a way, expanding really quick and then shrinking really quick and then kind of finding where it wants to be. Or is that how you would say? Um, to this day, I don't, I can't explain why it did that or what was yeah. the purpose behind it. But I could say that it gave me what possibilities are um, that I could go beyond the confines of what I think my skin barrier is for Jacob and then I could go to smaller than what I thought my physicality was of what I could exist as so I feel like it was playing <laughs> I feel like God was playing through my consciousness you could say and showing me that the possibilities of consciousness um, are much more than what I've, I've known um, that it could be bigger than I thought and I could be smaller than what I thought. Um, at that time, it was overwhelming as, as best as I could say that. Yeah, and I, I can understand that if we think about our kind of everyday lives, how sometimes we can feel very small and it kind of can come from our mind making ourselves believe that or feel that. Or we can, you know, feel as big and mighty as powerful as the whole universe and again that's coming mm. from something that we believe within ourselves mm. uh, would you say that's kind of the same thing or just so people can understand uh, that experience because yeah, no. not everyone has had that so this is this is beautiful that you're bringing it up in that way rachel because i would say it's a little deeper than even that so what you're what you're talking about is um really important and expands consciousness and contracts it through emotional states right mm -hmm. so like oh i feel really great like i'm on top of the world you know everything's a green light 
when you're going out driving. Uh, and then and then the other days, everything's a red light and you can track. But I would say you're still existing in a locale almost within that type of experience. Um, if that's what you're referring to, kind of like the flow state or the non-flow state. So we feel like everything's kind of more expansive and flowing and things are not. Um, this experience... I feel was beyond the locale of self. So the self kind of lost its perimeter a little. So you you didn't necessarily feel your physical self in one place on earth, but you experienced yourself like everywhere at once. Well said, exactly. And it reminds me of a Rumi poem, actually. Um, When he said, uh, it's a quick one. He said, um, I look to the large things, the sun, the galaxies, and the stars. They were dancing and singing. And then I would look to the small things, the children, the flowers, the blades of grass. They too were dancing and singing. All I have finally done was join them all. I, that's I think a beautiful that, poem. Yes, I think that's the closest I can get to um, <laughs> explaining explaining that. But that's the closest I found out there in the poetry world of saying it exactly as I experienced. Mm. So tell us another uh, experience you had, a big spiritual okay. awakening. You, you told us about when you were seven. Was there another one? There was. Okay. Yeah, there is there is many. Um, yeah, <laughs> no. What's <laughs> <laughs> your favorite? <laughs> yeah, pick my favorite. <laughs> well, this favorite. was a this was a beautiful one. Um, uh, wow. You know, it's funny. I was having all these spiritual experiences, Rachel, and I was trying to fit in society at the same time. I was like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a nurse. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be a nurse. <laughs> And I'd be sitting and listening to it, a lecture um, and have these spiritual experiences and just go, oh, my goodness, you know, how am I going to do this? Um, um, this one was. Oh, wow. OK, well, um, this one was I was this was occurring constantly in every moment. Actually, it was a kind of like I say a honeymoon spiritual experience where it was occurring for maybe a year or so um and it would be the perception of where creation of life has as we think of it we think um the universe has a beginning and end and my experience was that that was um wasn't true in a linear way that creation was constantly completing itself over and over and over and that the universe was yearning for one thing and one thing only to complete itself that it didn't have a linear time that there was a deeper completion to the universe and that was love. And so there was a honeymoon phase of months where every act of love that I saw existing within myself or outside myself was actually the completion of the universe happening over and over as if the circle kept completing itself and the universe would be born and it would end. It would born and it was ending. And the only way it could complete and end itself was when it realized love in each moment of time. So just to like put that in layman's terms, terms kind of, it's like writing your checklist of things you have to do and then getting it done. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) perpetually. 
Actually, <laughs> like, oh, there's an idea. I'm going to do the idea. It's done. Check it off. Yeah. And then it, and then it keeps happening and happening and happening. And imagine, yeah. and imagine <laughs> if that just, just kept happening and you go, oh, my God, I'm completing everything just over and over and over so fast. It's like you won every time. <laughs> but through love. But through the completion but, um, resulted in the sense of, of love. Um, of love, of an act of love, which is beautiful because mm-hmm. that um, started uh, uh, conditioning my perception for later on that every act of love um, com- was a completion for life itself. Mm. And wh- how old were you when you were experiencing that? Um, about 19. 19. So I jumped. And so I, I know um, a bit about how you see consciousness and mm-hmm. um and we've been talking about consciousness this whole time but yeah. again i think for people for some people can you just explain how you understand consciousness um how it, how it, it reveals itself to you and mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. a way for other people to start to grasp the idea because I still think there's a lot of people that believe consciousness is an act of the brain ah, and what the yeah. brain can come up with. Um, it's a, you know, and once we're dead, it leaves, it's gone. Yeah. Um, but I know you don't, uh, you don't, uh, consciousness doesn't reveal itself to you in that way. And so if you could explain that, I think it'd be helpful. Okay. <clears throat> um, Great. It's a big task, I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's you, not an you, easy question. You felt me. <laughs> okay. It's like letting the secret out of the bag. Am I the one who's going to be able to do it? I don't know. <laughs> I think we we're trying to do this with all the spiritual books here all the time. <laughs> Let's take We'll explore it together, and I'll just speak from my perspective. Um, Okay, well, I'm just going to naturally just speak where I'm guided to. So let's just begin with experience. Um, As an intuitive body worker, this is why I love body work, because we can go into an intuitive part of the mind, and I believe there's a lot of doorways when we get body-centered and allow the body to unfold itself. So in my practice with body work, um, I bring people out of their traditional way of thinking by touching them. So, you know, I'll I'll go on the back and down the arms. And eventually, a person really can't stay on their to-do list doing that because of the sensations. So then they start going into their body, which I would say is another layer of knowing. So from their knowing in their mind, they go into a sensing of the body. Now, within my body work, I don't just stop there because I like to say it's more intuitive and sacred body work that I do. I allow something else to arrive within the body, not arrive, but emerge and arise, actually. That intelligence arises naturally within the body mind. That intelligence, for me, it's self-repairing. Where did that intelligence come from? Well, it, it wasn't coordinated by your mind, mine or yours or anyone's. 
it somehow knew what to do, how to release a muscle, how to repair <clears throat> scar tissue, how to do everything, digest your food, all of this. Where does that intelligence arise from? And is that intelligence just in the nervous system? That's for each of us to drop into. So that's a doorway, the closest doorway I know to understanding what's this intelligence of life? What's the um, confines of consciousness? Because consciousness and intelligence seem to be one and the same thing. And this is not intelligence of the mind. It's an intelligence of nature itself, of creation. Why there seems to be order within everything. If we look around, um, there seems to be self-organizing principles and order. Where does that intelligence come from? Was it already latent within creation? And if it was latent within creation, then what is it? And how was it latent in there? Did it just arrive? And how could anything out of nothing just arrive? So I like to use our bodies as an example of that. We're a miracle. The, like we cut ourselves and the blood repairs it. It dries up. And then you have these cells that come and start repairing the tissue. So that intelligence is something we can get intimate with within our experience. You get hungry. Where does that hunger arrive? That's amazing that this intelligence is guiding our bodies. So those are concrete examples that we're being directed beyond just our thinking mind. You know, we know how to sleep. We know how to do this. What's that intelligence? What's that locale of intelligence? Where is it coming from? Um, and, and we can trust it. And the more we trust it, the more we get intimate with it, um, the more it starts revealing itself as something that's guiding all of life, all of creation. I think that's an um, important thing to say, to trust it, because when we start to yeah. um, intellectualize the understanding of, of something like that or trying to figure out where it comes from or make sense, Mm. in like a scientific way mm. it always mm. seems like we lose part of it we lose we're you know we're not grasping what it is fully and i think mm. the trust of that greater intelligence uh, and going with it uh allows you to discover maybe in a more personal way um consciousness and that that connection with that the flow of higher intelligence or mm. intelligence. Mm. Yeah, it seems to be a big fear in our culture of just being it. <laughs> mm. It's like because that ask. It's like, I mean, I know you as a as a dancer, Rachel. It's just like, I know any type of art. This is why I love art and music and all this. It, you can't separate. You can't become self conscious. It, a good artist it becomes their artwork. It, you can't separate yourself from the moment or it doesn't become what it is. So it's a true embodiment and channeling of that very piece. And I feel the same is called forth with life, that the artist is just an example of what's possible of becoming the intelligence and movement and expression of life. And, you know, you can't separate yourself from that. I mean, if you do, you don't, it, it loses, as you said, it loses its um, its power, its knowing. Yeah, you can't you can't be a dancer and and not dance. <laughs> <laughs> the moment you yeah. become self conscious, you stop dancing, and yeah. or you know, um, 
yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk more about yeah. your intuitive body work because okay. I just want to tell a story. Once I woke up and I couldn't hear out of my ears. It sounded like I was in, you know, underneath the ocean. And um, I remember I had to teach that morning, and it was uh, some class involving my sound bowls and. I couldn't really tell how loud I was talking or how soft or how loud or soft my bowls were because my ears were completely clogged, but I couldn't, you know, I had no rational reason why my ears would be clogged. Like they were fine before I went to sleep and they weren't when I woke up. So I remember asking you if you could help me because I didn't know (laughs) what to do. And, and you saw me for maybe 10 minutes or something and you know exactly where to touch to release it within you know that short amount of time we had so that I could hear the you know my volume or or anything that was around me and so could you just explain how you do your intuitive body work like how does the body feel to you or how does it appear how does it how does energy show up for you wow Um, so that's a great question. Um, so the way I, it's everything we've been talking about so far, when I touch a person's body, I let go into the intelligence of life. There seems to be a a capacity within me to really empathize or actually not even that I would say merge with the intelligence that's making us, you and I both up. So there's this capacity where I can drop into and listen to your body or anybody, anybody's body like music, as if someone's listening to a beautiful musical score, like a symphony, because that's what we really are. We're a bunch of tones organizing itself in the body. So my ability is just to drop in and completely let go of my sense of self to listen to the music you completely are. And it's deeper. It's deeper than your personality, deeper than the mind. And the body's singing this orchestra of organization and intelligence. So what I do is I connect with that intelligence and ride the musical waves and notes of what it wants to do. Because the organizing principle of of all of creation, when we can tap into it, finds exactly what's needed to be done for healing. I mean, if Jacob went into a bodywork session, he'd be horrible. <laughs> I mean, what would I do? Like, I would slap. <laughs> I don't know. I'd get a hammer out. I don't know what I'd do. Like, oh, God, how do do this? <laughs> but if, if I step out of the way and I listen to what wants to happen, a very feminine principle of it, in a way, I can hear how the body directs me in its innate knowing how to heal itself, which again, I think is something we may have lost as a culture to listen that we actually have an intelligence that knows exactly what to do for our emotional, spiritual, and physical health. And that's something I tap into for each person. I call it the divine template and um, the divine template everyone has that we're, we're born with. And it's about reconnecting with that divine template and finding healing. Yes, I um, 
I interviewed someone a few days ago and she said something similar about, you know, being an open, uh, receptive, clear channel so that um, that higher intelligence or Mm. that intelligence, I should say, can come Mm. through and do the work and show what needs to be shown for Mm. that person. And, um, you know, that's really the work of a healer is, is to be that that channel in whatever however whatever way you want to think of it but for that intelligence to flow through because i i feel the same way like if i were to you know if you were to ask me a question i just give you rachel's idea of that (laughs) but you know if i um open up and tap into i I think of it as the intelligence those that are are um, the intelligence that knows more than perhaps I myself know or or more clear than I perhaps myself am to mm-hmm. to answer what Rachel can't answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, and like you said, we all have this ability. And I think that's something we, some of us don't believe or haven't discovered yet that we all have this ability to know what we need and how to heal mm-hmm. ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. and, and that kind of comes to my next question because what yeah. you do, Jacob, um, I kind of feel like it's one of those things you can't teach somebody. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> like do A, B, and C and you'll get, X, Y, and Z. It's one of those things you have to discover and be led to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm teaching massage now, too. And uh, (laughs) I do my best. I do my best (laughs) to, you know, what is it? Let me just feel it really quickly because that's such a beautiful question. Like, What can be taught, you know? You know, I really just think of the one word that comes up is connection is that I don't need to teach everything I see, but I can teach the way I connect and watch others feel their own doorways to connection um, and sensitivity. And that's the best I think we can all do is regain our personal way of connecting with life and listening from that standpoint. Um, And hopefully connecting to that greater intelligence that is guiding each one of us, that the way a tree grows the way anything grows, but that's different for each person's journey. How do we, how do we get to that place? You know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and I think for myself as a teacher, I can sometimes think, Oh, am I not doing something right? <laughs> or am I, you know, you start to wonder if it's, if there's a better way um, to explain something or describe mm-hmm. something and, yeah. And we have to remember, and especially I, I have to remember, I know that mm-hmm. when we are trying to teach something to somebody else, it might not fully land on them for many more years. Yeah. And so um, we can be guides for them to discover mm-hmm. a way mm-hmm. to get there on their own. Nice. Yeah. And, and along with the teaching, because we can refine teaching forever just like we can refine knowledge infinitely, like different Mm -hmm. ways, different um, 
subtleties of explaining yeah you know when we look at the the chakra there's this geometrical pattern within it and it, it can go so long but i'm learning that oh that's very critical the left and right brain conceptual knowledge is as important as any other type of knowledge it's also i find important in my practice in my daily living is to embody it to embody the essence of the, of the teaching and that seems to be just like children they're seeded so much when they're younger by the way the parents are embodied in themselves it's more of the energy being put off empathically because i really believe we're all empathic here and that we really mm -hmm. resonate at levels that are unspoken and so i think that embodiment really conveys a lot more than we know and we don't really give much um credence to that in our culture either that this unspoken way of being actually is communicating a lot as well yes i i agree and just for people to know you are you are an extremely empathic person um <laughs> someone feels things very deeply and um this past last summer i had uh, a few months where i was really going through a uh, a process mm -hmm. of deep <laughs> emotional feeling of, of everything around me and it was extremely overwhelming and i was having a difficult time feeling um accepted or valued or or mm -hmm. that my what i was experiencing was mm -hmm. was um okay mm -hmm. uh, i feel like people uh, who experience things very deeply or sometimes they're too sensitive they can't handle things you know they're kind of labeled like that as opposed to being seen as someone who is strong because they're instead of being numb to something they're mm -hmm. feeling it so deeply and then able to understand something on a level that somebody else isn't able to this is this is beautiful you're bringing this up Rachel um, because sometimes you and you're extremely sensitive too <laughs> um, sometimes it, I feel that the sensitives get so confused because they're processing not just them themselves I believe we're process processing lineages too but we're processing what a lot of people are not processing as well and I feel that's part of the clearing of today's world because we've we shoved too much in the closet now. There's too much stored away in humanity. And it's time to open it up and start working on it so we can change. So a lot of sensitive sensitives in this day and age are helping that or feeling what hasn't been felt or it's what, what's neglected to be felt from our society. And that's a big thing. That's a big task and takes a lot of self-care. Um, and actually, I would say that's more courage than anything else. That takes the utmost courage um, and strength than what we may have uh, labeled as what is strong or courage. Yeah. It, it is yeah. emotional availability, absolutely. Yeah. And then... <laughs> And then the result of that is to being being able to connect yeah. with other people and other and and just life more yeah. deeply. 
that's yeah. that's I think the gift of it. Well said. Yeah. yeah I remember a teacher of mine said, um, because I worked on that for the last year of emotional availability. I'm like, oh my God, even being an empath, but learning I like to say EQ, emotional uh literacy within myself. And that's a really again, that's another thing we're not taught too much. Or our forefathers weren't really good at. So yeah. We were like, okay, well, how do we navigate this emotional connective world? And we, I mean, I don't know how much time we have, but that that's as soon as I, can see, <laughs> I think we could go all day, Rachel. <laughs> I know. Well, but, um, I wanted. Um, yeah. Go ahead. go ahead. Well, emotional literacy. What I found, um, I remember. I'm just going to share a story right right now, just along with this. I remember this. Um, man I was kind of counseling um well I was counseling and he was just he was just so uh, I don't say out of shape he was really angry and mad and I went up to him because I was living with him and I said um are you in love and he just Mm. started crying I said you're you're resisting that you're in love that's why you're mad why do why why resist that and it was his acceptance of his emotions. And later in the evening, we came to the conclusion that emotional frequency is the doorway to the universe. If we don't have ability and uh, availability and bandwidth to have emotional frequency and reflection and um, ups and downs, well, the universe closes its doors on us because the emotions are the doorways to everything we can experience here and evolve into that's how important emotions actually are <laughs> so when i say that we actually medicate emotions away we start medicating everything we are as a human away and everything that's spiritual and more i it's crazy you know i've um i remember mm-hmm. someone telling me that um emotions aren't important like things are too oh, emotional goodness. like you you want to get past the emotion and and I, I understood what they meant. Like, you don't want your emotions to kind of take over, like bubble up like a volcano and, right. and you know, kind of be all over the place. But this person was going to such an extreme where they were shutting themselves down. And like you said, kind of taking the life right. out of who they are and their experience because they were so – it was like as if they were afraid of experiencing – feeling well said and and i've been there i've been there and it's like it's very vulnerable you know especially as a guy in this culture everyone has and probably as a woman i bet you know there's the you know cliche sayings which are very outdated should be thrown away that like you're for women they're too sensitive and for men um you know don't be weak you know don't be strange (laughs) um and that's really unfortunate because yes, emotions can really whirl us away, but at the same time, they're what make us human. And it, what, as far as I can say from my experience, it's what connects us to the universe. Mm-hmm. It actually what connects us from our heart centered um, way of being and existing. So, I want to talk a little bit about just kind of last thing here before we started recording, you and I were talking a bit about um, 
the state of the world right now and today specifically in the energies of today and um, things transforming. And I wondered if you could just speak a little bit about that, maybe perhaps what you felt about the energies coming in and what you feel about where that's taking us. Oh, wow. That's a big question. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, No, I love it. I get excited. But uh, okay. Yeah, so a lot's going on in the world right now. We have a lot of movements. um, The Black Lives Matter. We have the virus. There's so much shaking up people. And it's all brilliant. It's all very good. Um. So yeah, from the from the more materialistic perspective, we're all, you know, being locked down. We're all reconsidering what security is or battling with security. So it's bringing up a lot of things for people. Like, am I going to be working? You know, people are thinking about that, and so we're really relooking at structure right now. Um, I only can speak from the. I want to speak from the spiritual plane as well because. As far as I can see, there's a lot of new energies um, wanting to come into the earth and into people, new ways of thinking, new ways of being, new ways of feeling that because of the way things were, could not come in before. Yes. Um, We just couldn't allow it. We didn't have space for it. Um, Now we do. So as much as things look chaotic, and I have a lot of compassion for what's going on, a lot of all over the world of racial justice and also people who've died from the corona. Um, It's hard right now. But at the same time, there's a lot of new space for something new to arise as a a community of the world, as a world structure. Um, And we're noticing a lot of that. So in my experience, what I'm seeing is a lot of different, I would say, um, influences of the universe coming in and helping humanity have new ideas of being, new ways of um, connecting with one another, um, and really finding justice and equality among the world. Um, We're in the solstice time right now. We're in the eclipse. There's a lot of new energies. Uh, My experience is that there's a lot of galactic uh, beings that actually are helping planet Earth evolve as a living system. And so I'm noticing that there's a lot of energies. For me, it's been the rainbow energy. I'm seeing a lot of um, beautiful, beautiful rainbow energy of unity. When I see rainbow energy, I think of unity. And I asked the energy what it is, and it said unity. And it's really bringing together all the native past lives, all the things that we've shoved under the carpet, especially for the North American continent around the natives and the um, suffering that happened. It's all being risen up so we can all sit at a table, a round table again, and be together and share ideas. Um, Those are the main energies I'm seeing coming in to the earth plane right now and influencing us. Yeah, that sense of a council, that's that's how it, um, how I hear it when, when beings come around in a circle, it's like a council of people coming together to, you know, decide or discuss or to come to some kind of um decision um i feel uh 
that's that's happening more and more and that's the direction for us to go and work in as as people and communities um what do you what would you like to see come out of all of this personally oh wow <clears throat> empowered people i would love to see people wake up to their hearts and notice that they don't have to give all their power away to the judgments of, to be honest, the patriarch, um, mm. that we can come together as humans and we can look at each other in the eye and come to decisions that are um, in the welfare of each other. Um, I really think that we're finding a lot of our power given away to higher authorities and you know, that we thought had our best interest, but now we're all kind of, a lot of a lot of people, not all of us, but a lot of people are struggling. And I really feel like we can find empowerment with each other now as well and more connection. Um, I think we're waking up to that. We're, we're more beautiful than we thought. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that we can um, really help each other, that we can sit among each other and notice that we are powerful, that we can make decisions, that we can make communities that we can make influences on this world that feel harmonious and effective as well, that we don't need to wait for another to do that, that we can actually start, imp you know, implementing ideas and have more joy and empowerment to do so. Well said. Well, thank you, Jacob. I won't take up any more of your time. I know I asked you a lot of questions. Um, <laughs> All right. Thank you. Yeah. Is there a way that you can tell people how they can find or connect with you? Yeah, sure. Um, through my email. Um, also Facebook as well, but email is uh, jmassey01 at gmail.com. And yeah, I love, I love exploring with people and questions and answers, all kinds of things. It's, it's really fun. And it's been lovely speaking with you, Rachel. It's been I love the questions, and I, I really enjoyed this. <laughs> well, I'm happy to have you. Many times during our interview, Jacob and I lost our connection. Probably up to about 10 times. We like to think of it as our light coming together and creating some disturbance in the internet. That's never happened before with anyone else I've interviewed. The energy Jacob was referring to, or at least some of it, is the energy of the summer solstice coming in tomorrow and the energy of the solar eclipse. We recorded this interview on June 19th those two things are happening tomorrow, June 20th. Thank you.